Hey guys, we wanted to take a moment and thank you for tuning into our church's podcast. This week's sermon is from our series Alpha and Omega. To learn more information about Sturkey Hills, you can find us at sturkey.church. Oh, and don't forget to hit subscribe to our podcast so that you can always stay up to date with our latest messages. We're so thankful for all that God has been doing in the life of our church and the part that you play in it. Thank you for listening and have a blessed day. Amen. Thank you for that worship, guys. Did you enjoy worship this morning? Say amen. Amen. God is so good. Wow. And it's a a, a great privilege today to get to move on in our journey called Alpha and Omega. As we continue, uh, continue first looking at the book on the left end, the bookend on the left called Genesis, and we're tracking through it at, we're at 37, so if you've got your Bibles, you can open it to Genesis chapter 37, that's where we're going to be looking, and I got good news, we are moving on past Jacob, amen? Amen. He's a scoundrel and a rascal, and we've been watching God do a work in his life, and sometimes we look more like Jacob than we would like to confess or admit. But today we're going to move to a new character, and this character, this biblical character, this man who is is one of the greatest men, the greatest people who have ever walked on this planet, and his name is Joseph. And so we're going to be looking at him today. And so in Genesis chapter 37, we're going to change gears a little bit. And when I mention the name Joseph, usually we're familiar with a couple of things about this guy. The first thing that most often comes up is Jake, uh, Joseph was known for what? Dakota many colors. If your translation says very colored tunic, then you're much too sophisticated for the rest of us felt board people who gave Joseph a coat of many colors. All right. The second thing we know about Joseph is he was known for something else, and what would it be? He's a dreamer. He's a dreamer. God gave him dreams, and, and, and he didn't really know how to process those things, and cause it, so it caused him some grief and some trouble. Now, you may be here today and you say, yeah, that's cool and everything. What's that got to do with me? Well, it's got a lot to do with you because I want you to know today, God is still a dreamer and he's still dreaming about you. God, is still, God still has a dream of saving humanity. And it began before time began. His plan was, was thought through and designed. And, and he knew before he ever created the first human being, let alone you, that he had a plan to reach down into our sinful condition and rescue us from us. And so what he wants to do today, church, individuals, born-again believers, what he wants to do is he wants to give you a dream that connects itself, ties itself into his great kingdom agenda dream to save the world. And that's good news. I want you to know you know it's not here by chance. He didn't just create you, left you, leave you here on your own with no gifts or, or no purpose. He designed you with a purpose and a plan and a future and a goal And a dream. And your dream is supposed to align itself with God's dream so you can live your fullest purpose on this earth. Because one day, those of us that are born again, we spend eternity with God forever and with other saints. And it can be a celebration or it can be a, man, I kind of messed that up. I got my ticket punched. I made it to heaven. But it's just different. Okay? We don't want that. God has given us one life to live. So plug your dream into his dream and allow God to do a crazy thing in your life. So, so you may be sitting there thinking, well, I don't really dream. I, I really had not had a dream lately. In fact, last dream I had, I was cutting the grass naked. I don't think that has anything to do with the kingdom agenda. Okay? 
And, and so I said that in the early service, and one of our teenagers sitting there, he started laughing. I said, did you, do, did, did you cut the grass naked, or, you know, did you dream that? No. He said, no, it's just funny, you know. And sometimes we have those dreams, right? We're thinking, man, I don't, I don't really want to talk about that one, okay? That's not what we're talking about here. I'm talking about a God-given dream that he implants in your soul. And you know it's bigger than, it's bigger than a bad Mexican dinner. It's bigger than watching the wrong television show right before you went to sleep. It's bigger than that. It's, it taps into the greatness of God's dream. And, and you may be here and you say, Brother Joel, nobody knows this but me, but, and I'm not confessing it, I have never had that. I have never experienced that in my life. I've got good news for you. God wants to give you that in your life. How can you dream for God? How can you have a dream for God that aligns itself and taps into the great dream that God has for saving humanity? Well, I think before we get started, we have to understand two major considerations. The first is to have a dream from God, you must first demonstrate the reality that you're ready for a dream. You see, if you're half committed to God, then he's not going to give you a dream. You see, he's given us the, the, this, this guideline for his dream. This is his dream on paper. This is what God has done. He created us in about a chapter, okay? We messed it up in the second chapter, and he gave us the rest of the book, him showing how much he loves and wants to redeem what we messed up. And so this is your guideline. So I want to tell you, if you want God to give you a dream that aligns with his dream, the first thing you have to do is you need to tune your spiritual life up. You do it first by getting in God's word. Every single person should be in God's word. If you're a believer, you should read God's word every day. The second thing you need to do is you need to pray. You need to have an open channel of communication with the God who put you here. See, sometimes we say little prayers and we close them a lot with the word amen. But I got news for you. We have too many amens in our prayer. Our prayer, Paul would say, to pray without ceasing. Okay, so, so here we go. To tune our life up, the first thing we do, we take God's word, we hide it in our heart, let it be a lamp unto our feet uh, that, we'll, uh, that we will not sin against him. The second thing we do, we pray without ceasing. We pray all the time. And I, I want to make you a, a solemn promise. You'll begin to hear from God, okay, about his dream for your life and how your life is supposed to be uh, immersed in his great dream for, for mankind, okay? Now, now, he'll do that. He'll do that. Now, I just want to give you a warning. I want you to know this. If you start having dreams and they do not align itself with this book, then you ignore that dream. That goes back to the other idea. Too much television, bad Mexican supper, okay? Your dream must align itself with Scripture or it's not God's dream for your life. Amen? Amen, that's true. Now, the second major consideration that we have to do is we have to understand God's dream for you is not about you. Look at your neighbor and say, it ain't about you. And look at your pastor and say, yeah, it ain't about you either. Well, y'all were more confident in that than the first one. But that's fair. I'm going to take it, okay? I'm going to take it. No, it's not about me. And it's not about you. It's about God. It's about his, his fame and the glory of his name. That's what it's about. And so if you think you have a dream from God and it elevates you and you, you strap on the, 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 the greatness of that dream, just right there know it's not, that's not God's dream. Because God's dream will never be about you. It will always be about the glory, his, the glory of his name and his fame. That's what it's about. And it's good because he deserves it because he's God. Now here's what we do. Often, we have dreams in this life that are unfulfilled and leave us disappointed. i got a question for you. 
Has anybody in here ever had a dream in your life, something you really dreamed about, you thought was going to come to fruition, and only to see it kind of dashed before your eyes and left you a little bit disenchanted and uh, broken? Anybody ever had that? Yeah, we've had those. Let me tell you how, what that looks like. We, we live in a world, man, where we want to dream for people. We want to invest our dream in somebody else's life. We want to, we want to give people you, we want to give people our dream instead of letting people receive God's dream. I remember when the girls were little, younger, and, and, and parents, we have a responsibility to help our young people make good decisions. But when they're making good decisions, we still have a tendency to kind of want to push them and manipulate them into a dream that we write or we script for their life. And, and, and I, if they're doing pretty good, it, I want to tell you something. If you can get them to tap into the greatness of God, their life will be okay the dream, their career, what they become in life will be okay if they tap into God and they understand that God has chosen to love them and redeem them and have a relationship with them for all of eternity. If you can get them to get that, then the dream about what they're going to be and what they're going to become really doesn't matter. And I remember when the girls were little, we, we would hear them say you know what they were going to be when they grew up or they would they would both daughters they were talking about who the guy they were going to date you know and we're like I don't know about that loser you know and so some of us would worry about it some of us more than others the one who worried more than others may have been my wife probably was okay and we would have these conversations and we say hey they're doing pretty good let's give them a little room to mess up okay let's let's give them a shot at it and Praise God, they did, they did good most of the time. They really did. And, and, and sometimes what we want to do is we, we want to push through all that and create dreams for our children. Now listen, if you've got a son and he came to you and said, hey, I've been watching this special on Netflix, and I think the most lucrative occupation for me moving forward is to be a crack slinger, you know, a dope peddler. You know, I think mom, dad, I think that's what I want to do. Call the pastor, let's have a counseling session. If, you're, if your daughter has been watching too much HBO, you know, and they're thinking, man, I've been watching, I want to be like Snooky. Is that her name, Snooky? Some of y'all have been watching Snooky. You watch Snooky because you laughed. Is that her name? It could be Snoopy. I don't even know. No, none of you should ever want to be like Snooky, okay? But if your daughter says, I've been watching TV and I want to be like Snooky when I grow up, a reality television show, no, then call Brother Joel. It's time for a counseling session. We're going to anoint her with oil, pray over her, and ask God to deliver the demon from within, okay? But outside of those kind of things, give your children a little room to breathe, a little room to move. But here's what we do. Instead of focusing really intently on leading our young people and ourselves into the presence of God, where, where we feel Him in our life, where it's real and intimate and up close, what we want to do is, is we want to take somebody else's dream and lay it over someone else's life. Here's what it looks like. We have a little girl... And we take her to the ball field, first year playing, you know. And, man, she's fielding balls. She's throwing balls. She hits it. She's killing it. And the coach, man, he comes up. He goes, hey, I was watching your daughter off the charts. She is way ahead of her time. She needs to be playing like two league, two age groups up from where she at. And their parents were like, oh, yeah? Oh, you saw that too? I thought it was just me. You know, showing a little favoritism. Oh, that's real? Oh, yeah, D1 player. D1. At some point... You need to tell the coach, listen, coach, I appreciate you. the encouragement, the kind words. She's six. D1's a little premature talking D1, okay? To be a professional, a little bit premature. So what we do is we breathe into them this future that God hasn't breathed into them. 
And so what happens, they create this dream. And I'm not a dream snatcher. I encourage people to dream all you want to dream. Dream all kinds of dreams. But be sure that the overarching, overwhelming, biggest dream in your life and the life of your children is a dream that God has placed in their life. It's really important that we get this. It's really important. And so we got to know that it's not about us. It's all about God. Now you say, I don't know if I believe that. Okay, fine. Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah addressed this very thing about listening to dreams and visions from the wrong people. He says in Jeremiah 29, verse 8, says, For the Lord God of Israel, who rules over all, says this, Do not let the prophets of those among you who claim to be prophets, do not let them predict the future by divination and deceive you. And do not pay any attention to the dreams that you are encouraging them to dream. They are prophesying lies to you and claiming my authority to do so. But I did not send them. I, the Lord, affirm this. You see, we've got to be careful what we dream and what we help other people dream. We've got to be careful that they are God's dreams for people's life. Now, I will say this. Never, never, never be afraid to chase God's dream. Chase it, man, to the end of time. Because God's dream you will never be disappointed in. You will never find yourself wanting at the end of God's dream. And we're going to look today at a guy who got a dream. And that's what we're going to see in today's text. So look at your neighbor and say, it's time to dream God's dream. So the title is Big Dreams for a Big God. Because if he's a big God, and he is, and he's going to give you a dream, you can trust it's going to be big. Because it was originated from a God who is extremely big. And we are past Jacob, and we're looking at this new guy called Joseph. Now, Joseph is not an ordinary guy. Before we ever get to the text, I want you to know this. In the Old Testament, there are typologies or examples of who would... Who, uh, the, of Jesus Christ the Messiah. In the Old Testament, he had not come yet, so God sent types of Jesus in the Old Testament. Joseph is the greatest type of Jesus in all of the Old Testament. So already you know if he's a type of Jesus, he's a pretty amazing biblical character. He's a pretty amazing historical figure. He's got something going on. You say, well, how is he like Jesus? How is he a type of Jesus? Okay, listen to this. Jesus was beloved of the Father. We'll see that in today's text, and most of us already know that. So is Jesus. Joseph was hated by his brothers. So is Jesus. Joseph was wrongly accused. So was Jesus. Joseph's sacrifice paved the way for others to be saved. So was Jesus. Joseph had premonitions of a coming glory. So did Jesus. Joseph was tempted, and yet he never failed, and he never, uh, he never failed, and he never, uh, he never, he did not fall, and he did not fail. Uh, and so neither did Jesus. Joseph was tender-hearted and gracious toward those who stood adamantly opposed to him. So did Jesus. Joseph was a man of highest integrity and character. I read this, D.L. Moody said this, character and integrity is, is what a man or a woman is in the dark. See, that's how Joseph was. No matter where he was at, in a dungeon, sitting on a throne, uh, laying in a cistern because his brothers threw him in there, uh, traded into slavery, in shackles on the way to Egypt, no matter where he was, he was a person of integrity. He was a standout, above average kind of guy. And so this is who God chooses to breathe his dream to. Now, this is really cool. Joseph gets airtime for the next 14 chapters. Chapter 37 through 50, the end of Genesis, Joseph is the primary character. Okay? He's, he's the one. He's the guy. All right? You say, yeah, so what? He gets 14 chapters. 
This is beautiful. I want you to hear this. You remember when God created everything in Genesis chapter 1? You remember he's creating everything, man, he's just doing it, everything he just thinks, and there it is. He's that kind of God, he whispers it, and it comes into existence, beautiful. And there's a funny phrase in verse 17 of chapter 1, it says, uh, oh, he created the stars also. Five words about the universe. In the 20s, scientists thought there were 300 billion stars. In the 1950s, scientists confirmed that there's more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand on this earth. Okay, that, that it's just, we have no idea how big this thing is. And yet it says, and he created those two. I've always been amazed at the beauty of that phrase. And yet he gives Joseph 14 chapters. Five words for the universe, 14 chapters for a guy named Joseph. And why do you think that is? Because it kind of begs to ask a question. That's a little bit upside down, a little peculiar. Well, it's because... Because in God's economy, the value of soul saving far outweighs the value of star shaping. You see, to God, stars are nothing but picture painters of his glory, of his greatness. He just places them out there and he causes the sun to shine on them so that they reflect the glory of what he's done. They're they're, they're hung where they should be in orbit, spinning around. And the Bible says that he calls them by name, he calls them by number, he causes them to shine, and when one falls from the sky, he takes inventory of it. Five words, 14 chapters for a guy named Joseph. Because of all that God has ever done in his eternal existence, the pinnacle of everything he created, listen, look at your neighbor and say, It's you. Tell your neighbor, it's you. I don't think you get it. The greatest thing God has ever done is created you. And when he did it, he didn't do it by chance. It was not just a a fling of something that happened. It was a purpose and a plan and a design for greatness. So big dreams for a big God begins in chapter 37. Verse 1 says, Jacob, we're going to learn a little bit about this guy. It says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17. He's just a boy. He's 17. Young man. He was tending the flocks. He's a shepherd. He's with the sons of Bilhah, the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. He brought their father a bad report about them. Let me pause right there because a lot of times people read into this something that he's a rat. He's a fink. He's a tattletale. You know, every time his brothers mess up because he's next to the youngest. There's 12 of them. He's got one younger brother, Benjamin, and he's got 10 older brothers, and he's got an older sister, Dinah. And, and, and it looks like, man, he's just ratting out his brothers. His brothers were already, his dad was already proud of him, but now he's trying to beat them down. That's not the case. He was of such integrity and character that when he saw a wrong thing happen, he had to go to the chief, his dad, and report it. That's just, that's all there is to it. He was not trying to elevate himself. He was already elevated. Then it goes on, it says in verse 3, Now Israel, or Jacob, that's the dad, he loved Joseph more than any of his sons because he had been born to him in his old age. He was not just born in his old age. He was born of his mother, Rachel, who was his beloved, his forever love. And so, so we learn about this guy, Joseph, that he, he's, he's just a guy that's doing his life among others and some others 
embrace him and some others don't embrace him. He's just your average guy. But God sees so much more than the average guy. It says then, he says, he loved him in his old age and he made him an ornate robe, a very colored tunic, a coat of many colors. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and they couldn't even speak a kind word to him. Now, I got a confession. I was raised with three brothers and some, some days, man, that, that household has some hating going on. Okay, anybody raised with brothers? Do you ever hate your brothers? <laughs> yes, you did. Confess it. We're in church. Okay, any of you have sisters? Anybody ever display a little hatred towards your sister? Yeah, yeah, you know you did, that's right, okay? It's okay, it's okay. This is no different. Only difference is a whole bunch of them, okay? Twelve boys and a girl. And here's Mr. Favored with the fancy jacket, okay? They hate him so much, they cannot even speak a kind word to him. And so the question is, do you think you're ready for a dream? If this is the situation that begins, are you ready for God to give you a dream. So point number one is this, reality of a dream. There is a reality to the dreams of God. They're very, very real. Listen to what happens in the passage. Verse 5, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him. They couldn't even speak to him kindly. They hated him. Now they hate him even more. And it says he said to them, okay, listen to this dream I had, guys. He fell a circle up around the campfire, got a little dream with share, a little love. I know you hate me right now, but once I share this dream with you, you'll embrace me because you'll see this beautiful picture God is painting in our life. He says, we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright. And while your sheaves gathered around mine and they bowed down to it, praise Jesus, aren't you happy? Show me some. Let's let's have a love love fest. Everybody circle up. Okay? Not so much. Not so much. Now, what's the big deal about Joseph getting a dream? Why did Joseph get the dream and not the other brothers? Why does, why does your pastor get a dream and you had not had a dream yet? Why does some of you have dreams and the person next to you had not had a dream yet? Is it because Joseph, did, did Joseph get it because of his cool jacket? Did Joseph get it because his dad loved him more? Did Joseph get, him, get the dream because God felt sorry for him because all of his brothers hated him? Why did Joseph get this dream? After all, It must have something to do with Joseph, right? Let me remind you who Joseph is. Joseph is a guy who at age 17 had experienced a mess. Joseph could have, at that point, when he woke up, let me pause, let me me tell you, a dream doesn't have to happen while you're sleeping. You don't have to wake up in the middle of the night, I have a dream. It could happen while you're on on your way to work. It could happen while you're reading the Word. It could happen while you're praying. It could happen at any time. Any time your heart is tuned into God's heart, he could give you the dream. So we don't know when he got the dream, but he had a dream. At that moment, it would have been really, really fair, and it would have been really, really easy for Joseph to say, Hey, God, I mean, thanks for giving me that dream. That was kind of cool. <laughs> you know, and I look forward to telling my brothers about it, even though they're going to probably punch me in the face or sell me into slavery or something like that. But thanks for giving me the dream, Okay. Uh, but you can keep your dream. I want you to find somebody else because I don't want your dream. It would have been real easy for Joseph to look at his circumstance, look at the scenario of his life and say, God, my dad, Jacob, taught me that you're a good, good God. My dad taught me that you're patient and that you're loving and you give chance after chance in our mistakes. And 
God, he told me that you have it all going on and you sit on your throne and you sovereignly control all of the universe. But God, for 17 years, I have been on this planet. And let me remind you, God, what my life looks like. My life has experienced the following in case you forget it. I have, I have, uh, I have been, I have been abused by my family. I have seen my mother die while I was still a boy when she gave birth to my little brother. I have seen things that a 17-year-old shouldn't see. I've seen my sister Dinah get raped by men from another community. I've seen my own brothers against my father's will go into that community and murder all of the men. I'm 17 years old and my life is full of a mess and you're supposed to be a good, good God and yet that's where I live. And now you got a dream for me? Seriously? It would have been easy for him to be that. And you know what we are today? That's who we are. God wants to show us something. God wants to use us for something greater. And we look at God and we say, God, I just don't know if I want all that because I'm not so impressed with what you've done thus far in my life. And yet God still whispers the dream to Joseph. And so God wants you to dream. He wants you to move forward. He wants you to be a part of what God has done. He, God's dream to save the world wants to include you in the dream, in the narrative. Think for a second, think for a second, that a billion years from now, as just a number, you could say a billion, billion, a zillion, a quadrillion, whatever number you want to choose, from now, we're in heaven with God. And we look back at this little dot on the timeline that you and I call life. And we have, let's just say, the average of, say, 78 years. Okay, Men live a little shorter than women. I don't know if it's because they're ready to go on to heaven and say, get me out of here. I don't know if the women are killing the men. I don't know what's going on with that. Okay, All I know is we're going to live about 78 years old as an average. A little bitty dot on the eternal timeline. And eternity, it's like if you put a pencil on a piece of paper, that's your life, that little dot. And then you just continue to draw and draw and draw, that's eternity. And then in heaven, in eternal, eternity future, we're looking back at the dot. And we just end up in a circle. And, and, and people are standing around and they say, man, what was, your, what was your dot like? What was your little life all about? Well, you know, uh, well, I, honestly, God called me to to be a missionary, and I obeyed the call, and man, he used me to save some people. God called me to be a missionary in a country, and I never saw anybody saved, but I translated the Bible into a foreign language. Well, God called me to plant this little church, and I planted this church, and man, God just blessed it, and people got saved and baptized, and we saw life change, and, and, and then the next person speaks up and says, well, God called, uh, called me to, to, to teach school, and, and man, I got to invest Jesus in the students that I had, and, and we're just talking, and, and then you're, it's your turn, man. You're sitting there thinking, oh boy, what am I going to say? Because my life was consumed by me. I mean, I got my ticket to heaven. I was saved, but my life was consumed by me. And so when it comes time for me, they say, what about you? What was your life like? Well, man, I, I got saved when I was a little kid, and I went to church some. And, you know, and I, when they passed the offering plate, sometimes I gave a little bit if I was there. And, you know, and I was surely there on Christmas and Easter. And, and you, give it, you got you struggling, man. I mean, you're scratching and clawing, trying to. You don't want to lie. You're in heaven. 
you know, you can't do that. So you're trying to speak the truth and make it sound as good as possible, okay? We don't want that. We don't want that. We want to be celebrating forever in eternity what God used us for in this little dot of time called life. And it only happens when God starts dreaming in your life and uses you and plugs you into his greater dream. So there's a reality of a dream God's going to give them. Number two, there's a resistance to a dream. I'm just going to go ahead and let you know. The moment you have a dream, there's somebody that's going to push back against your dream. There's somebody that's going to resist your dream because they're jealous of it. They're jealous that God would speak to you something greater than he's spoken to them. I want you to know something, church. Listen, there is no jealousy here. I want God to bless the socks off everybody in here. I want God to speak to your heart. I want God to give you a, I want God to birth a dream in your life. I want that dream to come to fruition because of your obedience. I want God to continue to bless it and use you for the kingdom. Man, I'm excited for the potential and the prospect of what God could do with every single one of you. And yet we find in this story a resistance to the dream. It says in verse 8, it says his brother said to him, okay, do you really intend to reign over us? And will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more. In case you didn't get the message, this is the third time they're hating on him. Okay, they got nothing for this guy. And they hated him because of his dream and because of what he said. When you share your dream, people are going to resist it. And they're going to hate you for your dream. But who cares? God gives you a dream. And God's happy with your dream. And God celebrates you receiving the dream. And God starts using you in the dream. It really doesn't matter what the rest of the world thinks. Because God is more interested in using you for the kingdom than for what the world thinks. They don't, God doesn't care what the world thinks about you. I don't, I don't know if you figured that out. But it's true. So then he says in verse 9, <clears throat> then he had another dream. And he told it to his brothers. He's a little bit of a slow learner, even though he is a lot like Jesus. Okay? As if he didn't get hated enough the first time. He says, well, listen, guys, since you're loving on me so much, since you're really feeling, you know, this dream and you're engaged in it, let me, let me tell you what else he showed me. He says, uh, I also had another dream. And he said, this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars, they were all bowing down to me too. Come on, circle up, get a hug, family hug, right? Give me, show some love, right? No, that didn't happen at all. Didn't happen at all. It says then it says, uh, verse 10, when he told his father, as well as his brothers, even his father rebuked him and he said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? And his brothers were, here it is, jealous of him. But his father kept this dream in his mind. So as we get a dream. Know this with certainty. Those around you will not be too quick to embrace your dream. And I'll go on and say this. Don't be too quick to share your dream with the world or with your church or with your family. Because you want, to be, you want discernment. You want to know that, that your dream aligns itself well with God. You want to know that God has really given you this dream and so be careful when you get a dream what you do with the dream 
So the question comes up, do you think you're ready for a dream? Now, let me tell you what kind of what this looks like, to have a dream and to not, not see it developed, okay? And, but to feel it in your soul, you know, like, I think God wants to do something in me. This week I had visitors in my office. It was not the IRS. It was not the FBI. It was not the local popo, okay? It was two young men who used to be in my student ministry, Heath Hatmaker and Tyler Selfridge. Heath is uh, uh, Carrie, who leads worship at Second. Uh, Heath is his son, and he's at a, a big church up in Chicago. And Tyler uh, happens to be right here. And, uh, and Tyler, I love him like a son I never really had. And, uh, and he just graduated from college. And I am so absolutely proud of you. And he's the first one in his family ever to graduate college. And he's going to spend the summer at a church doing an internship. God has opened up a door for an internship in Texas because he's going to Southwestern Seminary. Okay? And I'm just so proud of, of, what, of what God's doing in developing this dream. You say, We're, how do you know it's a dream? When I was doing student ministry, Tyler played football at Anderson County. And, and I would let young men come and speak on Wednesday night to a couple hundred students. And, and they would just come up. I, I let a student do it. And next thing you know, people just pop up. Hey, uh, how do you get to like preach on Wednesday night? <laughs> I said, you just kind of give me an outline and a scripture. We'll talk about it. If it seems real, then I'm going to plug in. He says, okay. Sure enough, man. He did, home, did, did his homework, came back. He said, here's my outline. Here's my scripture. Sign me up. We picked him a date. The day of, he got out of school early, showed up about 2 o'clock. He said, have you got somebody to help me get my slides together for the PowerPoint or whatever it's called, pro presenter? I said, yeah. So I'm standing over there. Guy comes in to help put the slides together. He said, how many slides you got? He said, 68. I heard 68. I said, what did you just say? Well, 68 slides. Man, it's from God. I mean, it's, this, this is God's message for the world right here. This will save everybody. Okay, I know I've been there every Sunday. I think that's going to save everybody. I'm going home lost. Still happens. Just get used to it. So anyway, that was to him, not to y'all. That was to him, not not to y'all. Okay, so so he I said he said no. I, this is this is it. This is what I'm 68 slides, and I, you know I'm a good teacher. I said cool man, I love you. Let's go 68 slides. Do it. So about 20 minutes into his 30 minute time frame, he's about nine slides deep. Okay. And I'm just standing over there, man, he's doing a good job. He did a great job, okay? So a few more minutes go by, and he looks over at me. I'm like, hey, don't look at me. <laughs> I'm just a youth guy. I don't know what you're doing, you know? So he ran out of time, and he, he was kind of, he didn't know how to finish it up. I just went up and said, man, I loved on him. I said, that was awesome. And it was. He did a great job. And I closed the deal for him and everything. Everything's fine. And Because and, I told him, I said, you can't even read 68 slides in 30 minutes, you know? And, and he learned. Now, that was, uh, oh, man, 10 years ago, longer, I guess. And God is still developing his dream. And his dream is aligned perfectly with God's dream. And, 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 and Tyler, I'll tell you in front of all these people, man, well, I, I told my wife. He told me this. I said, he, in seminary, this is what you get. There are a bunch of young people, millennials, goofy, okay? I'm, they are. You are. If you're a millennial, you, you are, okay? Because you got it all figured out. Don't want to hear nothing from nobody, okay? So here, here's a, I said, I said, what do you want to do, man? What, what do you think God's calling you to do? He said, well, it's kind of funny. I have fallen in love with a local church. That's the truth, isn't it? I heard from his soul when he said that. 
It was so real. He said, man, he just lit up. He said, man, God has birthed in me a love for the local church. Man, I applaud that. Here's why. Because you know what most guys in seminary are saying? If, they call, if I call them off, man, what do you want to do when you get out? Well, I want to plant a church so it will become a mega church. I want to be a mega church pastor. Because they look at a few that God has used in a great way and they think, that's me. Don't pursue. Don't per- we, we're not to pursue the greatness of the dream. Oh, man. We're just to pursue the dream and let God develop the greatness of the dream. Now, that's his story. It's a beautiful story, and I'm stoked about your story. Let me tell you mine. I stand here on Sunday. I am here today on this Sunday in this spot preaching from this Bible and this iPad, this water. I'm here because I'm part of a dream. And I am living a dream. I'm living a dream. You know, you hear that expression, hey, man, how you doing? Living a dream. I do live the dream. And now it's a painful dream sometimes. We're going to get to that. You just keep coming next week and the week after and the week after. The dream is not all easy money, okay? The dream can be very, very difficult. But I want to tell you, this is the beauty of it. Fifteen years ago approximately, there were individuals who had a dream that there would be a church up on this hill, okay? That there would be a church up on this hill. And, and they had to carve it out of a mountainside and... And they came up here and they bushwhacked it and they put this building here with a dream. And their dream has had some rough spots because dreams have rough spots. But because they had a dream, my dream aligned with their dream, which aligned with God's dream. And I want to tell you something. I'm excited in my being about being a part of God's dream. And it has all kinds of tentacles that reach out. I was telling somebody in Atlanta, uh, he goes to a mega church down there. And he said, he found out I was a pastor. And he said, tell me about your church. I said, well, there's a church man that had went through a rough spot in the road. A, a, a big one, several miles. And, and, and it was hurting. And they asked a, another church to come and help them out. And right in the middle of that, he says, you know, that took a lot for them to do that. And it did. And if you're here and you were part of Sturkey Hills before the rest of us came along, man, that is beautiful that God didn't let you kill his dream for this hill. He let you say, hey, we want you to help us. And then they asked Second Baptist. And if you're here from Second Baptist, that's not by accident. God used you to continue a dream. And where we go in the future, I do not know, but I know it's good because we're in the dream. And I trust him, and I walk with him, and I'm anxious. I am a little anxious. A little, I get a little antsy to see what God does with his dream. And I want to tell you today, no matter where you're at in your life, in your journey, in your walk with God, please, please, please listen to this story. Align yourself with Joseph, who has every reason I know some of you to say, God, I'm not so crazy about how you run things. I'm not so crazy about what my past looks like. So I'm not so crazy excited to get plugged into what you might do in the future because quite honestly, what you've done in the past kind of hurts. Okay? Just get real with God. And then say, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take I'm going to take a leap of faith and I'm going to jump into this dream that you want to give me. I'm going to tune up my life so I can hear the dream. And until I get your dream for me, 
I'm going to look around and find somebody else's dream just to show you I'm real about the dream. And I'm going to plug in and start serving under that dream. And I'm telling you, God will breathe in your existence. And he will show you why he put you here on this planet. And it's bigger than you because it's not about you. It's about his name and his fame. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're here today and you kind of hear this guy standing up there in a blue jacket yakking. And you really don't know what I'm talking about. The only way you'll ever know what I'm talking about. The only way you'll ever know what God's will is for your life. The only way you'll ever hear from God is if you're a child of God. And the only way you can be a child of God, the absolute only way you can be a child of God, it's not by good deeds because you can't earn it. It's, you can't merit it. It is only by the grace of God found in Jesus Christ. Grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. That's it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can even come to the Father except by me. And maybe you're here and you're not a child of God. I want you to know God loves you right where you are. No matter what you've done, no matter what your life has looked like or looks like in this moment, he loves you infinitely. But he loves you way too much to leave you where you are because he has something greater. He has a greater chapter, a greater story to write in your life. The question is, will you let him? Maybe you hear that and you feel something inside you that says, man, I think God's speaking to my heart. And this is really like weird. I mean, I feel it like down inside of me. I want you to know I can't speak to your soul. I can't speak to your heart. Only the Holy Spirit of God can do that. But if he's doing that today, I would encourage you to respond to that invitation. And if you feel that you, he's inviting you to be a, a child of his, here's what you do with it. You simply say, God, I know that I'm a sinner, and I am more than amazed that I feel you speaking into my soul. God, I know that Jesus came and died on a cross for my sin because he didn't have any of his own, and he did it just for me if there's no others in this room. He did it just for me, and I don't understand all that, but I feel it inside. And I feel like I'm standing at the door of freedom. I got news for you. You are. So you just say, God, I'm going to step through that door called faith. And once I get in there, I'm going to receive grace. And you're going to save me. And you're going to forgive all of my sin. And you're going to stamp me with your Holy Spirit. And you're going to call me yours forever, not because I command it, but because you've already said it in your word. So I receive that gift of grace today. Thank you for hearing this prayer of an old sinner like me. Thank you for choosing to plug me into your dream. Let me begin brand new today. If you're here and you just are processing that and you just maybe prayed that and you're ready to give it up, I'm going to be standing here in the front. I would invite you to come down here with me and let me just pray with you. And if you're uncomfortable with that, I would invite you to find me after the service and say, hey, I made a decision today that counts for eternity.